Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports. Ready to get things underway. Podcast number 35. Now, coming up, Mick McCabe from the Freep says, don't cancel high school football in Michigan. You got golf coming to town. Tom Brady's working out. The Wings fall to four, and July is right around the corner. And right now on the line is Dan Leach. Hi, Dan. Dan what is the word on this fine, beautiful day? It's a uh, it's a hot one out here on this uh, on this Sunday. And if you look, this Saturday will be July fourth. So we're going to put June behind us, and we got Independence Day coming up. A big celebration week, maybe. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's uh, definitely a different kind of July fourth than we're used to. Independence for different reasons for some, but it's definitely going to be fun to try to. Celebrate uh, a holiday that everyone loves to celebrate, the hot dogs, the beers, the fireworks, and, and try to just feel like there's a little bit of, of normalcy in, in some ways, but obviously, you know, it's, it's a year of years, and uh, it'll be a little different than normal for July 4th, but it's always a great day. Yeah, you left out the ribs. Uh, I, I cook ribs on, <laughs> on the 4th of July, but but that's all right. What are your plans? Oh, I got to listen. You know, you know me. I'm, I'm a guy that likes to kind of be about town, so I've got a couple different parties. I know that. In my neighborhood here, with my great neighbors, uh, in Dover Hill, we've got a little, like, you no, know, a small fireworks extravaganza with sparklers and stuff. We've got a barbecue uh, with, as you mentioned, ribs will be included in that one. That's good. And we got some pool action, and then I've got uh, some plans with the family at the pool. Uh, there's going to be a small little parade here in the neighborhood. Wow. And just, just get, hopefully, as, as you mentioned, good weather, a sizzler, as you and I like. So, I'll be uh, just trying to do the you know whatever I can to enjoy what on a Saturday a rare holiday Saturday for July Fourth and uh, you know just spend time with friends and family and invoke uh, the greatness that this country has to offer. Quintessential Americana. It sounds like you had it all covered, man. If you'd have thrown in potato salad, I think you would have covered you know the top fifteen things. So that that's well, impressive. That definitely is. coleslaw. I think there should be potato oh. salad as well, but I got to sneak the potato salad no matter what. Yeah, I like both. You know what? Um, I was ready to do a a draft show live like we did the Belmont Stakes a couple Saturdays ago, but the power got knocked out in in, De- in Dexter that uh, prevented me from doing a live NHL lottery show. Oh, that's and, so good. You know, because uh, our power going out, yeah, it had us uh, set back both, uh, you know, Friday and Saturday. So it's good just to have that air conditioning on, but yeah. How about the NHL lottery? So I, I didn't get the feel for it, and then uh, I just looked next day, and and it seems like uh, probably glad I didn't. Yeah, I'll tell you this: uh, you and I have done many different shows on various draft scenarios, lotteries, and, and the ability for a team. Like I'm, a, I'm such an anti, you know, tanker in my bones. Like I don't think you should purposely try to lose, and I don't think most teams do. But you know, you're going to do with the Sixers and just other teams in hockey that. I've put out really bad lineups that they've wanted to get as high up in this draft lottery era as they can. But when you look at the Red Wings and you look at this, you know, year of, of just how crazy things have been, and the season's been over for a while for the Red Wings anyway, because even if the, the NHL comes back, which they're planning on or trying to, the Wings would not be playing because they were one of the worst teams in hockey. And when you have two teams that have by far the best chance, 25 or whatever percent chance, to get it up one sec, and you've got a placeholder team, one of the play-in teams for the playoffs, that ends up just beating out the Wings, who the worst pick that you get is fourth, and they get the fourth pick. I know CBY has talked about 
you know, that they're going to get a great prospect no matter what. And, and I believe he, him and they will. But when you're, you're doing the Lewis for Lafreniere and you're, you're, you're thinking you're going to get one or two at worst, and you ended up getting fourth, and the team that gets the first pick is a team that's going to be in the playoffs, it just seems playoffs. kind of the theme of what Detroit sports fans sadly has been for the last few years, aside from the Lions, you've had a little success, but the Red Wings, the Pistons, and the Tigers have been terrible. And the Wings, I'm not saying they deserve the number one pick, it's a lottery. They're not doing it like the NFL where the worst team gets the, the number one pick. And, and that's fine with me. But to get number four when you're by far the worst team in hockey, and I think they, did they clinch or they got eliminated for the playoffs the earliest in like 20-something years, 25 years in the NHL, and you lose to a team in this Gary Bettman abomination that's going to be in the playoffs. I I don't you know, I blame Wing fans for being furious. It, it seems like there's just something wrong with that to me, though. <laughs> Yeah, it just sucks uh, being the the worst team, and you know you're thinking about the generational talent. And you pin it all on one night. At least, like if you're uh, if you kind of compare it to gambling, like we all realize that you know you you can lose. But the one thing about it is, you know, you you play place a bet the next day. The Red Wings right. man, you got to wait an entire year. So I don't know. It, it's like being. I was thinking about it. It's like being in the World Series of Poker. And at one point having the chip lead and you're like one, two away from just making money. And then you, you get these like almost lay down hands and you end up losing it all in two hands. That's what, it, that's what it feels like a little bit uh, to me or, or like, I, you know, having bet the Falcons uh, money line and being up yeah, 28 to three. Super Bowl. Yeah. And you're sitting there, you already count your money, but you can't, I mean, you, you knew that there was a chance that the Red Wings were going to get number one, but you're thinking, oh, number two, oh, that's not a yeah, bad consolation right. prize. You don't even want to start thinking about three because you feel like that's the worst case scenario, even though, you know, you probably knew and, and everybody knew that there was a, a, a chance that you even could have been bumped down further, which, further, which was the worst one. But yeah, it just couldn't have gone any worse. I mean, so yeah, I, I'll, I'll take it a step further on a gambling. You know, I love your, your Falcons comparison. I had, I had the Falcons. On the money line, I thought it was over. But how about a, you know, a three-team parlay? You got the first two teams are done. You're up 15 points in like an NBA game in the third or three goals in an NHL game, and then you blow it in the final period or the fourth quarter, and you end up getting the worst possible scenario, which is a loss. You win two of the three sides of the parlay or three of the four sides. That's what it felt like, a, a total gut punch. But, you know, I, I mentioned the whole loser Lafreniere and, and obviously Quentin the field is what many think is going to go number two. But it's not like the Wings, as Stevie Wise, I mentioned, said a couple of days ago, they're going to get a good prospect, whether it's a Perfetti or Saginaw or Lucas Raymond or Jamie Drysdale. There's definitely prospects there, but it's more to me about the principle. When the Wings, it wasn't like they were trying to lose. They weren't, they weren't doing the whole tank for a top pick. They just didn't have the right players out there. They had a lot of injuries. And for them to get the worst possible pick they could in one of the rarest years in Detroit hockey history. Because, yes, the Dead Wings in the 70s, as we, as we all well know, in this, this town, were not good. But for the last 30, 35 years, the Wings have not been one of the worst teams in hockey. And over the last few years, they've been one of the worst teams in hockey. And you think that maybe they'll finally get rewarded for having a really bad year. And it's not like number four is number 15. But number four, when you're supposed to get number one or two, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah, well, you'll be able to work on your your slogan for next year, whoever that top prospect is that'll emerge. So I know you'll have that 
forthcoming. You know, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing if, you know, you, you've been to the casino a few times and I've experienced this myself, but you know, like you, you go to the casino, how many ever days you're staying there. A lot of times this is the last day for me, but it's that walk in the morning when you go down there, you, you don't, there's, there's nothing that left the bat. You know, you're, you're cleaned out. You, you don't have any money in your pockets. You don't even know why you're on the casino floor, but you're, you're there. And then it's, it's so different. Like your, your, your pockets are empty. You, all of a sudden you hear all the clinging and the, the ding, 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 and, and everybody, and you don't have anything in your pocket. It's that, it's that walk of shame. That's what I've been. I've been just walking along. It's like the the lottery shame this week with my head down. I was yeah. looking so forward to it. Have you been on that that, that walk of shame at the casinos before? Oh my goodness! First off, really quick, you mentioned next year. I, I'm already on it for you. It's, it's god awful for Gunther, Dylan Gunther for okay. the Edmonton Oil King. Mm-hmm. The WHL. He's got to consent number one. Uh, I've sadly done it. Listen, you and I have had many great moments in those casinos, sports betting, etc. But, uh, yeah, I've had that walk of shame where, let's say, I'll give you a perfect example. And obviously the casinos are shut down now in, in, in Detroit, but, you know, I've been down there too many times. And there have been times where I've walked in there and I've gone straight to the poker room, which is tough sometimes because the slots are calling your names and other various table games. I'll go right to the poker room. I'll buy it for a buck fifty. I'll have seven eight hundred dollars And then I will go on uh, the way home and I'll say, you know what? I'll spend a hundred bucks on a, you know, the Tarzan slot and see what I can do. Maybe get to a grand on the night. And the next thing I know, it's four hours later. I'm down to my final 20. I put it in. I want to punch myself in the face. I, I'm down to my final spin. It's over. I go get some free cop food, but I want to throw up. It is a total walk of, of slot shame, casino shame, and I totally get what you're saying. That is what I think Wings fans feel like right now when they know that not only did they not get the number one pick, but they lost to a placeholder playing playoff team, which makes it just, and it could be Seattle. Seattle actually changed their Twitter name to Seattle placeholders <laughs> and they asked the NHL, are we the placeholder guys? So it was, it's definitely, that's a great analogy, fantasy Slot or casino walk of shame. I think Wings fans are feeling some lottery shame right now. Well, it's like uh, Mississippi Grind, that uh, that poker movie from a couple of years ago with Ryan Reynolds and uh, Ben Mendelsohn, where those guys, uh, you know, team up and they're about to have a little bit of that, um, a little bit of that walk of shame. It's, we won't totally give that away for people that are listening, but it really does come down to, to, uh, you know, my favorite character there, Danny Rayburn of, of bloodline where he's, uh, actually they're shaking dice there, but they do play poker in in that movie too. Right. It's, you know, Oh yeah. They play, they play a ton of high level poker. That's right. Yeah. So, that's what it was like with uh, with the lottery. I know you told me you're going to play golf uh, later on today. And we mentioned, you know, we're taping this here on a Sunday. And we will have uh, golf here locally with the, uh, is it the Rocket Classic 2.0? Just the uh, second time around, sophomore year for yeah. it? How do, how do you say RFC, it? Rocket Mortgage Classic, my friend. And obviously it's going to be a lot different. I've been in touch with the, uh, the tournament. I actually had a tournament director on Task Force a couple of uh, like last week. And listen, no fans. The field is kind of, I think it's 16 right now in the top 40, which isn't terrible. But the, the tournament last week had 16 in the top, or 15 in the top 20. Uh, the field isn't going to be great. But as uh, the tournament director said to me, and, and we know what golf means in this area, said to have uh, you know, one of these professional tournaments, PGA tournaments, during this pandemic in Detroit is still a huge deal. 
And and the good news is that this is one of the things where let's say they weren't able to figure out because this is not the right date. It was supposed to be much earlier uh, before obviously COVID hit, and they changed the date now to July uh, to the first week of July. If the tournament did come, Dennis, and they they had to skip this year, a first year tournament that loses its second year, no matter what the reason is, it can be very tough to recover from that. So the good news is there's a commitment to Detroit. The PGA knows that this is a great area for golf. They have already felt like they're going to either match or exceed their charity donations with no ticket sales, which is incredible because people, a lot of people have donated their tickets. They say, you know what? Don't give me a refund. Put it towards the charity initiative, which is the internet uh, initiative for Detroit by 2025 to, to uh, bridge the digital divide, they call it, uh, and get people internet in Detroit that don't have it. So it, it's going to be weird to not see fans there. But I'm excited because it's pro golf. It's PGA golf in Detroit proper for the first time ever. I mean, it's the second year, but it's the first time they've ever had a tournament in downtown Detroit. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch on TV. It just sucks that we can't go there as fans. Yeah, well, you know what? For for you and I, I mean, we're golf fans. And then last year we, we went to the Detroit Golf Club and, you know, walking around on the grounds there in the inaugural oh. lawn, there was definitely uh, whatever you want to call it, buzz, energy, all of it, man. And there were some bottlenecks, so many fans there. Like, you, you just thought back to last year, like, oh, man, it's just hot. That's it. So, I mean, you realize uh, there wasn't any – we never even heard of social distancing at that right. point. But, man, it really was, uh, you know – Walking the course, watching people that have uh, you know using their you know their, their daily fantasy you know on, and, and looking who's up on the tee box and and everything else, uh, it, it was an awesome event to be at it. And and for me, I, I parked at the uh, where the old uh, fairgrounds are at the Michigan fairgrounds where I used to go on grammar. You know, back when I'm talking about you know five, six, seven years old, so to drive on those grounds and just be like, Oh yeah. Wow. And then, uh, you know, the bus kind of slowly snails its way through there and just takes you right down and, and you just go in with everybody else, man. It was, I, I, they must've sold every single ticket that they possibly could there. They couldn't have fit any more people uh, there at the Detroit golf club last year. And in the, in the first one, that's how, uh, that's how well received it was. Oh yeah. No, it was, it was, and I'll tell you this. And you know, I was, I think it was there every day. I think I missed one of them. I think it, I, I did go on Wednesday I was there for all the tournament days and the celebrity thing on Tuesday. And looking at the people, as you mentioned, and the smiles on faces and the grandparents with their sons and grandchildren and grandmothers with their granddaughters and, and you know, and, and daughters themselves, and seeing the excitement to, to have. Plus, the Area 313 was voted the, the coolest, like, area of any PGA Tour. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, Augusta and stuff like that, but the regular PGA Tour events. That where they had all the water on, I think it was uh, 13, 14, 15. It was just such a cool experience to see the fans be able to get out there, enjoy pro golf in, in Detroit proper. And as you mentioned, they, they basically did sell out. I mean, there was obviously PGA Tour uh, events, so I have to release all the info. But basically, they sold out as, as many tickets as they possibly could have. I'm sure there were days where they maybe had a little more fans than, than others. I mean, I know on, on, on the final championship day, it wasn't as busy as it had been earlier in the weekend because, you know, it's a Sunday and people have other events to do with family stuff. But they, for a first-year event, the ticket sales, the attendance, the merch sales, Dennis, they had a virtual store put up a few weeks ago, and they sold out everything. So people are still super interested. They love the event and being here. And as I mentioned, 
the field isn't what it was last year or what we thought it could have been, you know, a couple months ago. But guys like Tony Finau and Luke Donald, former major winners, are going to be around. Um, you know, Kevin Na, guys that are playing well, Patrick Reed, Captain America, there are mm-hmm. things playing. I know, I put it I, I watched them for a little while last year. Uh, Bubba Watson. So there, there are definitely, you know, some good top golfers. I mentioned I have 16 in the top 40 instead of 16 in the top 21. Uh, like the colonial had, but um, it's going to be a lot of fun just to be able to watch it on TV and know that it's here right now. Yes, you wish the fans could get out there, but you know, their social media accounts will keep people connected and in those virtual tea times you can, uh, you know, take, you know, be part of to kind of feel like you're there. So it's, it's going to be covered like a glove, like the PGA does with all the shot trackers and, you know, the different coverages on a different network. So you won't be able to, you won't miss a, a beat when it comes to this tournament. It's going to be kind of weird for that great, as you mentioned, support by the fans, all the people out there last year. Now, no fans. Yeah, well, let's just hope they can get through it without a bunch of DQs and COVIDs and all of that, like uh, we're hoping for with sports once we get to July and then towards the uh, to the end of August. And that gets us a little bit here to this next uh, issue with, with Tom Brady this week, working out with the Bucks in Florida. He's got his teammates there and, you know, the NFL said some things. They haven't said some things. And the people are saying some things. Some other, uh, and, and on both sides here, uh, yeah. you know, how are you looking at the situation with, with Brady out there? He's, he uh, he came out. With, I saw the one quote from him. What, what uh, you know, fear, you know, something. What, what was it? Don't fear, fear itself. Something like that. That's what he was rolling well, out with. Well, you know, it's a famous, the famous uh, category. You know, the greatest thing to fear is fear itself. Hey, listen, when it's just, I love Brady. I mean, we really love Brady. I guess unless you're someone that's anti-Patriots or, you know, someone like Michigan. But, you know, this is something that you and I have talked about a lot on, on Good Afternoon and on my show, The Task Force, and, and, and we just talked about it on, on, on a lot that, you know, we're in a crazy time right now. And we want sports as bad as ever. I mean, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and he's like, damn, I just, damn, I miss sports. I need sports. And I'm like, listen, I get it. We all get it, but right now life is more important. And Brady is, you know, the, the star of the NFL. But, you know, to do what he's doing, irking the NFL union leader, upsetting other people, and obviously medical people, to do these continued workouts with the Bucks when they've been advised against that, you know, advised against being as close to each other as Brady and his Bucks are doing. No, I get it. Brady's, in, uh, you know, on a new team. He wants to get as much practice and familiarity with his guys as he can. But this goes back to something that I've talked with you about many times. As much as we want sports, Dennis, as much as it means so much to bring us together, I know people are bored too on a, on a lower level of importance, but sports do a lot of things for us on many different you know, angles and facets. It's, it, at what cost? I want it back. But if it means that it's, I mean, you look at all the PGA players that have contracted COVID, you look at all the, the, you know, the players in the NFL, Zeke Elliott, Austin Matthews in the, in the Maple Leafs, there's, there's players and, and athletes and coaches and staff getting infected all over the place as the numbers explode in this country. At what cost is it worth bringing sports back if it ends up hurting us even more when, yes, we want sports, we need sports, it's in our bones, it's in our, you know, in our every essence, but I don't want it to cause more problems. Now, it doesn't mean like you, you can't do it the right way, Seth, like the KBO has done it or maybe it was primarily uh, we're used to live uh, out, out in the U.K., but I just feel like there's so many moving parts right now. Everyone just wants to rush back into this. You can't do it, Dennis. 
Well, I don't have any more quotes from Franklin Roosevelt, you know, via Tom Brady or anything, but the NFL player executive director, D. Morris Smith, said he isn't happy to see what Tom Brady's doing. He was asked uh, specifically about Tom Brady and also uh, Russell Wilson, who's, uh, you know, been seen on uh, social media working out, saying that they're not in the best interest of player safety. But, you know, there's a side here, like they got to get their work in. And, you know, I I don't think this is the case for for college players, but with when you're thinking about these guys in the NFL here towards the beginning of July going out there and working out, and I know Rudy Gobert, I saw a story about him today, and and, oh, 311, we all remember when the the Jazz game got canceled because of him. The sports world should still. Yeah, he was saying today he was still having some complications from recovering from uh, COVID, and part of that was – his uh, ability to smell uh, his taste, his taste had come back, but yeah. So that's, you know, the three and a half months where it's a deal here still for him. You know, if there's one guy, I think of Tom Brady and just what, what, Gutierrez, Gutierrez his um, his trainer there that was, you know, camped right there at new England and was causing some, uh, some uh, friction between him and Belichick and the Patriots when he was there. And Brady is such a uh, a workout warrior, you know, crazy about his diet, every single thing. Now, you'd think if there's one guy, now it, it'll be interesting to see if Tom Brady, you know, working with uh, the wide receivers is able to, because of his immune system, because of, you know, him being the athlete, his immune system, if he will go and actually stay away from getting this. There's the other part about with these NFL players, they, they are going to give it a go. And, you know, this is playing with fire. There's no doubt this is playing with fire, like saying, all right, we're going to go out there and we're going to see if we're going to get it. If we get it, we're going to see how quickly we're going to be able to come back from it. We're also going to see if, uh, hey, maybe we'll be immune, more immune to it, maybe totally immune to it later on. People will say, you don't know that. You're right. I don't know that. But I I think these are what, you know, Tom Brady's thinking of. And when they're out there, uh, this is probably an NFL-wise a better course of uh, action to go than saying, "Hey, you know what? We're, I'm not going to throw the footballs to anybody. I'm just going to stay at home." And then when they tell us to come out in in practice in August, a month from now, or or maybe it would be sometime in July, then we're going to get it going. Like they're they're giving themselves a, a couple weeks to play with here. I know it, it's uh, it, playing with fire. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, there's the nightmare scenario side of this. And, and, and you know, I think you made a great point about Brady and then these NHL NFL players and other players. You know, guys like Austin Matthews and, and Texans and different guys that have been practicing this, the PGA Cameron Champ from the PGA Tour, they're in great shape. And you know, and, and I would say the, the majority of them, the high majority of them, might not even see any symptoms. If they did catch it, they like if they got sick, it would be very mild, like you know, a lot of people in good health and that around that age have been. But there's the other side of this, as, as you also pointed out, that I've been trying to point out any way I can. There is so much we don't know about this. This is a once in every 100, 200, 300 years global pandemic. And I know the CDC just released more symptoms the other day. Ronnie knows. It's one of the most things that growth. There's a woman that got infected twice from what we know. There are so many things we don't know that, as you mentioned, playing with fire is almost like pouring gasoline on fire in a way. Because, yes, you know, you can have guys that are in great shape, NFL players, NHL players, NBA players, working out and getting this and maybe not affecting them at all, going into quarantine for two weeks. But it's the other part of this 
that I'm not saying you and I definitely think about this. Others, I think, don't at times. You know, what if Tom Brady gets it? What if he gives it to a referee? What if he gives it to his trainer and his trainer is more susceptible than him? Or the trainer gives it to his grandma who comes to visit? There's all these different moving parts that, yes, the high majority of people that get this in the world will either be sick for a little bit, not sick at all, or, you know, sick and worse than they thought, but they'll get over it. There's a lot of people, Dennis, when I say a lot, uh, 120,000 plus in this country and way too many globally that have died. And that's when I go back to what I've said over and over again. And as much as I want sports, I say at what cost? Because if it means putting this season on ice uh, and having a gap year, uh, as our friend Rico Beard told me the other day, you know, everyone has a gap year and you start sports again late in the, in the, in the winter or early next year. You just don't rush back into giving this the possibility of there being more and more issues. So that's what I keep saying. I, I think that's the way I try to look at it. Is at what cost is it worth bringing all this back when there's so many moving parts and it could be a major problem for people that ends up killing them. Not only getting them sick, Dennis, killing people, not many, but enough where one is too many. Well, sure, and I think that's uh, early on we started looking at the economic side, the the health side, and the football side here, and just concentrating on the pro side. I hear myself, the way I'm looking at it is uh, the scenario that you've painted, you know, at what cost somebody – you know, that we're not thinking about ends up getting sick or even worse there. And, you know, then we're, we're sitting back and saying, wow, you know, but right. here, I think at the pro level, the one thing that we know here is that, and even the college level in, in, in college football, they, they, you know, the, the universities are opening up. They want to bring the students back. They're going to live there and they want to have football and people want to have football and the football players want to play. So you've got all of those things and there's an incredible amount of money that's tied into this. And then you go to the pro side, these guys are going, I mean, uh, unless somebody's padlocking the door, you know, down at, at Ford field or right. in Allen park. I mean, the, the lions are going to play and they're going to try to play the bears in that first game. If they can, if they can feel the healthy team, however it is, even if we're getting down to the, you know, uh, next man up, which, you know, it, 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 when you're just talking about the team dynamics, you mentioned those things on the sideline and coaches and refs and everything else. You really do have to protect yourself if you're somebody, and and that's the part we don't see. What if somebody you know doesn't feel like they need to protect themselves, and yet they want right. to, whether gamble or not, and they're out there, and they end up being, you know, somebody that that goes down here, and and you know that just gets me to the the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about. I saw I don't know if you did uh, Mick McCabe in the free press today. He was uh, saying as soon as this week, you know, Governor Gretchen Gretchen Whitmer is going to announce plans. It, she could announce her plans for reopening. Michigan schools. I just talked about colleges opening up and, and McCabe saying, you know, he's hoping in addition to classes, he wants band, choir, drama, and yes, athletics, where his headline is don't kill high school football in 2020. Now, when you're getting down to the, the high school part, no bubble. I don't know about the testing. I don't know about when we start to talk about, you know, NFL players are getting paid and college players are on scholarship High school players, I, you know what? That's the one where I, I I hear Mick. It's it's great to you know you know have uh, extracurricular activities after school and everything. But football in 2020, man, that's really a hard sell 
when I was, you know, it's just hard for me thinking that it was going to be able to happen. I hope it does somehow. Everything yeah. just clears up, and well, you know, it would seem like a little bit of a, a minor miracle, though, if we play uh, high school football in the fall. Well, I mean, first I want to say this: I love Nick McCabe. I, I've known him for years. Uh, as you have, Dennis is one of the he's one of the first guys I met in the business. Is like an eighteen-year-old, you know, freshman in college. Always has been kind to me. So this is nothing against Nick, but I, I I did see a tweet earlier that said the school is in session and yeah, Governor Whitmer needs to do the right thing again and let kids play sports. High school is about so much more than just taking uh, classes. Time for big reps to step up. And, and I totally get that on the merit of what he's trying to say, and I totally get what people want when it comes to the experience of high school and college and all that stuff. And, and it's, it's funny, guys, I was with my cousin the other day. It was her 50th birthday, and her 18-year-old daughter, Delaney, was there with us. And we kind of talked about what Delaney had gone through. She just graduated. And, you know, her senior year was really, really rough. Like, she kind of had, before everything went to hell with COVID, I don't want to say given up, but, like, she just wasn't in school anymore. But then COVID came, and they found out, not that it wouldn't count, but then it was more of like a either going to satisfactory or an unsatisfactory, and it wasn't as much about grades. And she was already, you know, the junior year was the, the key for people's transcripts. And I, they were kind of, and I get it, they were robbed of a lot of experiences, and I feel for them. And the same thing would happen if, if let's say, they don't come back to on site, you know, classes, and they don't decide to do sports or they do some kind of version of in the classroom, which I know is proposed two days a week and whole virtual learning three days a week and maybe no athletics, it would be brutal. It would be terrible because that is high school is, as Mick said, and I agree with this, about so much more than just classes. But once again, I'll go back to my kind of mantra that I've had for months now. Ever since you mentioned Rudy Gobert, my friend, I was at the Rudy Gobert game at LCA a foot or two away from him, and I had no idea if I had COVID. It was when everything was brand new. So, you know, it would be terrible if there wasn't high school athletics, but at what cost? And you've got to look at, as you mentioned, these are not kids on scholarship. These aren't kids. Well, some of them are, but not like college. These are not kids that are getting paid to play athletics. And once again, that age range, we've seen very few deaths. We've seen very few serious illnesses, but we've seen enough that it's alarming. And it's those kids, if they contract it and give it to a coach or give it to a parent or give it to grandma or give it to someone that's got emphysema, whoever it is, they can end up dying from this. I want these kids to have their experience. I loved high school. I know you were a star basketball player in high school. So we want to see this happen, but we can't do it just to do it. And to be honest, if it means we have to take a year off, going back to last March, and start everything up in 2021 again to keep as many safe as possible. Because unfortunately, this country is not in a great response to COVID going all the way back to, you know, last December and January. Then so be it. And it won't ruin the world. It won't ruin people's, you know, uh, universes. It'll just be a delay of things. And then when it comes back, it'll be that much better going forward. And you can figure out all the exterior things about, you know, can kids get an extra year in high school or college or whatever that is. Because if you're saving lives, that's all that matters. Sports are great. Life is great. School is great. But lives and livelihoods are better. So to me, you can't just get all willy-nilly and say, well, you know what? Let's just give it a try. Let's just kind of go against medical advice. And let's just get these kids back. And they'll be okay. And we'll try to keep as much of a bubble. You can't do that because people, as you already have seen, Dennis, are not going to follow rules. I mean, I go to the grocery store. I'm always wearing my mask. There's at least 10, 15 people that aren't, and some of them made it a political thing. 
So it just worries me that we've got to do this the right way. And unfortunately, if that means waiting five, six, seven, eight months, whatever it is, to really get back to what things were like, uh, you know, this, this, it'll be a new abnormal, as I've always called it, then, that, then that's what we're going to have to do, my friend, because I don't want people to die. You know, living is way more important than playing high school football. Living is way more important than, you know, having on-campus classes for a college when we've got technology now and Zoom and online ability for all that stuff. That's, that's kind of what I've been at this whole time, and, and I hope things get better faster than maybe they have or people have seen them getting, but I don't want people to die for us to play high school football. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, well, speaking of Zoom and all that, we know that uh, you're going to have all of that sort of covered this week. You know, you mentioned the task force uh, earlier. You'll be out there task forcing it uh, online as, uh, you know, you, you've been doing for a while now, and uh, uh, right, right uh Closing down June and and uh, ushering in July. Looking forward to those shows this week. What Tuesday, Thursday? Yep, Tuesday, Thursday. And you'll be back on soon. And we, you and I got some special things hopefully planned for going forward too. As always, it's nothing like spending time with you. Uh, you're one of the greats, not just in broadcasting, but in my life and in life in general. So yeah, it's going to be. You know, it's still a very weird, strange time. But we people like you and I are trying our best whatever we can to make it a little less strange. And uh, I give a lot of kudos to you for doing the same kind of things that I've done. And, and we do it together. And that's why uh, I like to stay with humility. We're kind of, we're kind of great champions. Hey, well go out there and have fun on the golf course today. I will. My friend, wait, you coming out soon. We got to get you on the course soon. Mm, yeah. Soon. I hear that swing is pretty sweet. Uh, you've, been, you've been chipping and putting near the ghost. So I, I, I can't wait to see you live. Yeah, not putting, chipping. All right, Dan, uh, thanks for joining me. See you later. Hey, my pleasure, my friend. All right, there he is, Dan Leach. How about it? Talking sports. Yeah, thanks for listening. Keep doing it this week. Working on some things uh, already. And uh, we're going to have a big 4th of July special. Show a little tease for you. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks to Dan Leach. Goodbye.